Alright, let's do this. How are you data scientists and engineers? How are you business people? What's up nerds? Did you grasp that thing you were studying? This is Data Science at Home, the podcast about machine learning, artificial intelligence, and more good stuff. I am Francesco, I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes, so grab a cup of coffee and join me as we learn more about the topics we love most. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes or so. And today I'm not alone, I am with uh, a very nice person actually, because I've read a lot about her. (laughs) And uh, she's Lillian Pearson from uh, datamania.com. Hi Lillian, how are you doing? I am doing great, Frag. Thank you so, so much for having me on here and happy it's Friday. How about you? (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing. Actually, it's amazing weather as well, which is quite rare in Belgium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. It's warming up. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Actually, uh, one uh, there, there are a lot of interesting things that I've been reading about you, uh, which is you know <laughs> one of the main reasons why I, I invite you to the show. Uh, because, well, uh, let me just briefly, very briefly introduce you. Lillian was an engineer uh, working as a legal secretary in somewhere in Florida, <laughs> if I'm not wrong, <laughs> yeah. right? And uh, uh, yes. well, she uh, she had some, let's say, struggle at the beginning as every engineer out there uh, at the beginning of engineering career. And then she made something that was really, really amazing. So Lilian, do you mind telling us what happened to you and uh, from a professional perspective, of course? Yeah. Okay. So that is starting way back when I was a legal secretary. That was in 2011. And so um, I'm a professional engineer, but I had decided that I was going to become a patent attorney. So I went to law school and it was during the aftermath of the housing bubble collapse. I got a job as a legal secretary and then I found out I don't want to be a lawyer. (laughs) So kind of a classic. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad I found out before rather than after I spent all that right. time. Um, so that was good. But then I wanted to get back in the engineering field. And it actually, I, I didn't get another job doing what I was doing back then, um, which is fine because I didn't love it. Um, but... Yeah. So, but that was so, so long ago. I decided, oh, how this evolved though, how this evolved is I was working like freaking all day for $8 an hour as a legal secretary because I had a mortgage. (laughs) And then at night I would go and I would put in CVs for another engineering job. Yeah. So it was just every day, all day trying to like get another engineering job. And then I just, uh, I went down to South America that winter. I had already had the ticket and um, I read, I brought some books. One of the, one of the books was pro blogger. Okay. It's kind of a long story. So it was pro blogger by Darren Rouse. And it talked about like people who made money online. And I realized that when I was down in Bolivia, actually not having a job at all, not working, 
I was losing less money per day because I had a renter in my house than I was like, working 80 hours a week in America. So I just said, well, I'm not going to go back, wow. you know, like I'll just start an online business right. and do my own thing and travel. <laughs> yeah. And then, but I ended up getting a job like basically that same day at the CVS center. So that was good too, though, because that actually got me like full fledged in the data field. So it helped me make that transition from engineering into data. So, um, yeah, so it worked out. <laughs> Pretty much, I would say, yeah. I mean, and today you help data professionals evolve into, into world-class leaders. So how that, did that go? Um, how did I start helping other data professionals? Yes, how, how did you get there? Okay, so when I started my business, actually, I started my business by blogging, just like the book I told you. And so I kind of shared my journey of learning data science. And then what happened is I attracted a lot of data professionals into my audience. And that was back nine years ago now. So <laughs> as I grew, and so I did a lot of consulting for, I did a lot of B2B work for many years and traveled the world um, doing training and strategy workshops and stuff like that. Um, and then I had these data professionals in my audience and I decided I wanted to help. I, it's so, there's so much involved in running a business that I wanted, I, and I didn't know that I had figured out, uh, I wanted to start sharing that with other data professionals because like, they don't give you any business education in engineering true. school, really. That's very true. Yeah. So I just did, I did, I had the audience and there was a need and I have learned so much about running a business. And then it was just, I, having a child, I didn't want to travel. I didn't want to be traveling, delivering workshops like every other week in another country, which is what it had turned into. So I just said, you know, I'm going to put everything, I'm just going to go 100% into bringing my products and services online and that will allow me to work from this. I live on an island in Thailand. Wow. So, and so I did. And, you know, that was, I guess, two years ago. And, you know, well, and <laughs> strangely, I had like my first year where I didn't leave the island, but it happened to be COVID. So I don't know if I get credit <laughs> for that. Wow. Well, there are a lot of things that we would like to, I would like to discuss in this episode um, and, you know, leverage your, your expertise and your, uh, direct connection with the world of business, uh, revenue model, business model. Uh, shall we spend some words on that? What What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Business model is just the structure through which your company deliver, creates and delivers value to its customers. Um, and then your revenue your revenue model is your component of that business model that is responsible for how the company is actually gener generating the revenue. So that's all pretty simple in terms of, you know, um, definition. Mm -hmm. But there are lots and lots of <laughs> business models and revenue models. And so, you know, and I've had, let's see, I've had most of them actually go on in my business. And I didn't even know for a long time, I didn't know all this stuff. So I've spent a lot of time and money and energy in business coaching. And so then later on, I like looking back, I can see, wow, I've had, I've gone through almost all of these. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, but the reason I ask is because I I find that, uh, especially in the world of, you know, the world of data, of course, data entrepreneurs usually are not really uh, educated or definitely their background is not 100% uh, designed around, you know, revenue models, business models, economics, and all that stuff, right? Uh, and there are many other things I would like to ask when it comes to specifically data-related uh, products and services, because they are different, you know, uh, and, and more, on that, uh, more on that later. But uh, my, the reason I ask this is that are these revenue business model and the main other concepts that might be involved in these definitions are those specific to data entrepreneurs or can be applicable more generally to other domains? Well, the whole business and revenue model thing, those are those are in every business. If you're generating a profit, then um, sure. even if the owner is not aware, they, they have some sort of business and revenue model. But what I found right. through my own businesses and working with a lot of other data entrepreneur is, entrepreneurs is there are specific business models and revenue models that do really well, not only in the data space, well, in the data space, yes, but also I, I focus on helping people build remote businesses so they don't have to go into an office somewhere, which after COVID, it's kind of, um, right. you know, I don't know how much of a, a distinguisher that's going to be, but it doesn't really matter. So there's still going to be business models and revenue models that are more effective than others. And also there's so many nuances and so many things you need to know about selling these and about the cost, the client experience with each of the models. And like, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, one episode is definitely not enough. I mean, we can write books about this, but let's, let's try to narrow it down in, uh, in 10 minutes or less. So sorry, I am an, <laughs> I know, I know it's, it's quite challenging, but let's try. <laughs> so I am an entrepreneur. Uh, of course, mm -hmm. in the data business, and I want to set up my data business. And as you said, I want this to happen remotely. I want to avoid going to the office. I want to manage my things uh, from remote locations, etc., etc. What should I be paying attention to? The very, very first thing, 100% important and really pretty boring and tedious. <laughs> <laughs> market research. Mm. You've got to do the market research because... That is everything in terms of pulling really massive contracts. If you can find a niche right. that you know that you you have the capabilities to support to serve, and that it's undersaturated and there's a huge demand yet it's stable, that is where I've seen people just go through the roof in their revenues almost overnight. But then I've seen other people who didn't want to work through the, you know, because it's not really that much fun digging into the research, who wanted to do something more like what they just felt like they wanted to do and then not do base it on data. Right. And um, and I've and they put in so, so, so much work putting out content and like doing everything else, doing way more than more focused entrepreneurs would do and not getting any, you know, the traction, not getting any traction because there's like, cause it's saturated right. and the demand is low and the customer doesn't really understand the value and so many things, you know? Mm. So it's the market research. If you can do anything is just to like, get really, really clear on what market you serve and who your ideal client is. 
in, in, um, and then work on, you know, how you, you know, things like a business model, revenue models offers. Gotcha. So market research, is that a second step I should be paying attention to? I teach people, so we start with market research and then we build their offers. And when I talk about offers, it's real, that's really coming down to revenue mm. models. You get to call it revenue models. I call it them offers, but like, if I go to business school, they're going to say, uh, business model and revenue model, but I actually okay. just call those your offers. So, uh, maybe you're offering a service and what is your retainer package or how do you work people from like a low end investment to a high end investment and like, how do you deliver that? Um, or maybe right. you're selling digital products, or maybe you want to build a SaaS application, mm -hmm. which is a whole nother thing, which is a big behemoth thing. So those are like offer, whatever your offers are, is kind of like a, a blend of revenue models and business models. I understand. Yeah, no, that sense. I mean, this is actually very much connected to the concept of pricing and pricing model, right? So, and, and to be honest with you, um, as a you know a, a seasoned uh, entrepreneur in in the data space myself, uh, I find it still after so many years a very tricky subject uh, because you know pricing a uh, a data product is not as you know direct or or straightforward like pricing a factory or a new equipment that produces shoes for example right it, it's much more defined in that case. Um, while the value behind a data product is is very difficult to to price, right? So uh, how do you deal with that? Well, okay, so you're talking about data products. There's a lot of different types of data products. So when we talk about pricing, we could talk about services or we could talk about products. I have different sets of guide, different sets of suggestions for each of those. But you want to look, if you are talking about a SaaS subscription product, I can only tell you what I've learned from other from my clients who have developed those and they're selling them through subscription enterprise grade and all this stuff. But I, um, I don't have a SaaS product yet. It's the one thing I, well, mm -hmm. I kind of do, but it doesn't count. It's not the kind of, so you're talking about SaaS or you're talking about information products? Well, let's assume it's a consumer data product that has some sort of analytics that is you know, sold and you, you pay for the analytics, you pay for the result. Uh, how do you monetize that? First of all, how do you price such a, an intangible thing? What if the prediction is wrong or is not accurate? Okay. Like what happens to your pricing model? Okay, so you're talking about um, your data product with the deliverable on that would be like a dashboard. Yes, for example. Yeah, that would be a vehicle to consume the prediction. Uh, but yeah, it could be an app. It could be a mobile app. It could be uh, an API, whatever. Okay, so well, if it's like an API or a mobile app, they're they're monetizing a lot of different ways, right? So they're modern monetizing through data partnerships, through advertising, like in terms of mobile apps. And then if it's a software as a service, they're usually having different levels of subscription. But if you have a tangible product, which here's the deliverable, and say it's a dashboard, I've sold data, I guess you could call it data products like that. Mm -hmm. In fact, though it was a sir, I was I sold it as a service. I did the service, but I sold it as a package, and I gave them the result that they were looking for. And how I priced that was I priced it according to first I made sure you know that my methods were going to be acceptable. You know, figured out how many hours it would take me to create what they needed. 
to get what they needed. And so because I'm CEO of my business, I work very, very hard. I always try to price my time if I do it myself at $1,000 per hour. So they say they want something. I say, okay, like what's the most efficient way I could get this done? Is that going to work for you? They say, yes. I, you know, calculate how many hours. So in this case, it was like two and a half hours. So I was like, can I, you know, $2,500 fine. And they were like, yeah. So it was easy for me to get what they needed. And I turned it over to them, I think in PDF format in this case. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it really depends. Like we'd have to get a lot more specific on what the product is and who the consumer is. And like some, a lot of times you have, you know, your buyers coming in at different levels of, you know, they're in different stages in their journey. But like one thing that I work with clients on 100% of the time is just don't jump around. Like you can't like, I can't offer this thing that I gave to this company and then offer this. Like for a while I was just doing this and this and this and this, anything people come, can you do this? I'd be like, yeah. And that was totally not scalable. It was a circus. So I had to learn to say no to all of the work that didn't like, it wasn't my ideal client. It wasn't the mission of our business. If anything like didn't support, like wasn't in alignment with what we're doing in our business, I say no to that, even though the opportunity is there because I want to grow our business and I can't grow it if I'm doing like going all these different directions, you know? So Lillian, what is data mania? <laughs> data mania is um my company and we our mission is to support data professionals in transforming into world-class data leaders and entrepreneurs and so how do you do that like do you perform uh workshops or yeah great question uh... yeah so if you wanted to look at like how we deliver our value and our, our business model our highest level of support or service we have, I do advisory, I do mentoring and advisory work. And then in the mid level, I have a course. Mm -hmm. um, it's not open for sale all the time, uh, but eventually I will evergreen. I will turn it what they call evergreen and bring people in on an ongoing basis. And then on the lower and the lower level to bring people into the business, I have Data strategy action plan, which is basically the plan of action and all of the tools that I use to support like multinational companies in their data strategy. I just turned it into a product and I sell it for really affordable. So that's like one of them. And then there's the book. I've got data science for dummies. I've got a bunch of courses with LinkedIn. And so those are like MER. So those are like, they're sending me money every month on um, monthly recurring revenue, but they're not really my business. So, but they bring people in. So it's pretty simple now. And it's just, we have some freebies, some, you know, the data entrepreneur toolkit. We have some free offers, the YouTube channel. These are all bringing people in. First level is a $37 offer data strategy action plan. Second level is the course data creatives and co. And then the third level right now, the third level is one-on-one -on -one coaching, but that's being, that's going to be group. That's going to be a mentorship program in about as soon as I can finish my book update. <laughs> 
Wow, there is, seems to be a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, I uh, definitely we will report some of the links in the show notes of this episode at uh, the official website, datascienceatome.com. Uh, so stop taking notes out there. No worries. All these links will be on the official website. Um, now, Lilian, I have one question that is kind of, you know, personal curiosity. It's something that I've been struggling myself for a decade or so. <laughs> now, as, as a, I, I hope I can help you. Let, let me try. Let me try out. Um, so as a data entrepreneur, um, at the beginning, especially at the beginning of my career, I was focusing much more on profit and revenue, right? Because okay. that's where the stress came from. Like, I, can I pay the, my collaborators? Can I pay the licenses, the software that I'm, I'm using, etc., etc.? Uh, I was less focused and interested into growth, for example. So what is your, uh, you know, take home message on this? Are the two things really mutually exclusive or is there some sort of formula that you want to advise out to the people out there? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't know if that situation of that you're talking about changed. But for me, profit is like it's a, this is a double edged sword. The more profit you make, the more taxes you owe at the end of the year. And I don't I like sending um like forty thousand dollars to a country that i haven't lived in in seven years doesn't really make me super happy um and also it means that if i take that profit out of my business that means that i've got to do more work that means i can't the business doesn't grow as quickly i can't hire people i'm going to be stressed out all of these things and so if which is what we've transitioned to now, which is like, I mean, the amount of money I take out of my business to pay myself every month is ridiculously low. And I don't love that, but I am like 100% invested in growing my business, which means we have like 10, I pay my team members <laughs> more than I take for myself um, because it's my business, right? So um, the growth is like, I don't have to pay taxes on, you know, like say, you know, say you make $500,000 in a year, but if you reinvest that money in growing your business, you don't actually, you know, or you leave it in your business bank account, you don't actually have to, it's not actually something that is yours to pay taxes on, it's your businesses. So I would say unless you've got like a few million dollars of business profit sitting in your business bank account, it's better to invest in growth because you're, you're going to have a better quality of life. You're going to pay less taxes. You're going to impact more people and more businesses because you're growing faster and your business grows faster and you work right. less. So it's like a win, 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 win. But the trick is also being able to do that. So it's yeah. hard if you've got, you're saying your software is expensive and there's people helping you and this and that. So you've got to look at the profit margin. So you were mentioning in our pre-call about revenue models for profit and growth. And like, so advisory services right now with the knowledge sector, the way it is, advisory services are going to be great for maybe five, I don't know how long, but you know, it. it it changes along with conditions and market. Courses, people right. sell the idea, you're gonna take your knowledge, turn it into a course, and it's gonna be super profitable, and you're gonna live on a beach for the rest of your life and chill. <laughs> C 
Courses are low profit margin because the resources it takes to scale them, deliver them, you know, all of that, yeah. market them, it's like 20 to 30%. And services are also the same thing. So if you're looking to grow quickly or be profitable, you know, like it doesn't like the growth or profit those are both heavily dependent on like the actual, like what the offer is and what, what the profit margin is on your work. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Dylan, it was uh, very nice to have you here on the show. I mean, I have a, a million other questions, of course. This is something that cannot we cannot squeeze in in 25 minutes episode, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, it's a much more complex uh, uh, discussion. Uh, but it was very fruitful, I think. I think that the listeners of the Data Science at Home podcast will definitely take advantage of your uh, knowledge in the field and uh, will definitely love to uh, get in touch with you. So if you have some contacts, please feel free to share them with us. Sure. I do a weekly free training on YouTube. And um, we also have a free Facebook group called Becoming World-Class Data Leaders and Data Entrepreneurs. And then if both all else fails, I'm on LinkedIn as Lillian Pearson P. And that was Lillian Pearson from datamania.com. Thanks, Lillian. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Frag. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.